Welcome to episode 31 of Consider This Question. Um, I am Ryan Vincent, and I will be playing the part of the host today. I have with me Drew Moss, the, uh, the leader of the table ministry, campus ministry to Oklahoma State University, and a vital part of the college ministry here at Sunnybrook Christian Church. And, uh, and I have also sitting right next to me, Jim Johnson, lead minister at Sunnybrook Christian Church. Um, he hates the title senior pastor. Um, yeah, but I'm get as I get older, I like it, it more. It fits, right? Yeah, it does. It fits. Um, and the question we're going to be dealing with today is is a bit of a follow up question to uh, many of the podcasts that we've been doing lately. Um, we're going to be dealing with the issue of remarriage in the church. Um, and so, just to put a little background to that, um, if you've been following with us for the last seven or eight weeks, we have been in a series within a series on Sunday mornings here at Sunnybrook going through, um, we hit the beginning of Matthew 19 and we stopped and slowed down quite a bit to deal with many of the issues that revolve around these questions Jesus was fielding um, on divorce. So we had a sermon on, on manhood, womanhood, sexuality, singleness, marriage, and divorce. And um, if you haven't listened to those sermons, head on over to the Sunnybrook Teaching Archive. You can find that on iTunes or SoundCloud and catch up and we had a follow-up conversation for each of those messages here on consider this question um and the one kind of glaring issue that we haven't been able to field or deal with from the pulpit is this issue coming on the heels of the divorce sermon of remarriage which actually also would address some stuff with singleness some stuff with sexuality um so yeah there's a number of different ways marriage yeah, and I think that we would all probably be a bit surprised to truly um, comprehend how many people in our fellowship um, this relates to. And this is a yeah. very critical question for us to understand. So um, basically what we're going to do today is we're going to have um, Drew and myself a little bit um, just kind of pick Jim's brain on the question and, and see what it is that we can sort through. So Drew, I'm going to throw it to you first. Um, there were some lingering questions um, related to Jim's final message of the series on divorce. Do you want to um, share what some of those are, maybe give Jim an, an opportunity to respond? Is this yep. where you begin with, hey, I've got some friends, Yep. and they didn't understand a word you said. Yep. yep. <laughs> I've, got, I've got this friend. I've got this friend. This college minister friend. <laughs> Not Who, Scott. Not, not, his name is not Scott. <laughs> um, yeah, so I did actually, I had a few conversations with some people who who weren't in outright disagreement or anything, but sure. wondered a little bit was, where did Jim get some of those ideas? I know he, you, you mentioned in there, I believe, four different kind of reasons, biblically, probably for divorce. Um, not as like a automatic, but but after after confrontation and and rebuke and if there's no repentance then these yep. four things can lead to um adultery which is which is talked about in the text um abandonment yep. uh abuse yep. or neglect and and they were especially with those with uh, kind of the issue of abuse and neglect there were, i had a few people kind of ask we i didn't fully get where jim sure. came from on that how did he get to the point biblically that those things are okay sure. neglect and how do you even navigate neglect can somebody just say my 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 wife doesn't cook enough for me or is it my husband doesn't take me on enough dates and therefore and, and so how do we even know what that is yep. and, and if that's okay no i think it's a great question i mean it's it's something and if i could even take a step back 
um, this has been a struggle for me from the very beginning. I grew up with a view of God and a view of the Bible that was very black and white, that was very, here's what it says. The words are relatively literal. So I was a, somewhat of a literalist. I grew up in a, um, uh, in, a, in, a, in a group of Christians who took the word of God so seriously that they thought serious meant literal. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the way they, uh, where they came from. And so um, as I began to get older and everything was black and white, and then I began to realize it's, it might be, at least at first, it might be a little more complicated. And I still remember being very angry at um, a decision that the church that I was part of made. I wasn't on staff, so I was um, probably in university at the time. And um, there was a couple that had uh, recently left their spouses um, through an affair and had remarried. And I w- ha- this is the bizarre part. I was at a church that was excommunicating them, hmm. visiting one Sunday. Okay, so this church is excommunicating them for their for their sin, and then like a few weeks later, I catch them at my church, and hmm. we're open arms embracing them, and it 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 bothered me a lot. And I'm just thinking, okay, how can this be? I mean, this is one of those instances, and and everybody there was just talking about. You know, listen. We we've just got to we've just got to have grace. We've just got to have mercy. We just got to care about people. We just got to, and it, it did not work that way to me. Yeah. I mean, to me, I just read the text. So particularly Matthew five, um, whoever divorces his wife, let him give him a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who marries or everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual morality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is there? Yeah. So are you saying that then this, and, and, and it was clearly a situation. I mean, I know the family. Um, it was clearly a situation where there was sin and they basically committed adultery by divorce and remarriage, although they committed adultery before that as well. And yeah. I just, this is wrong and feeling like no one cared. Okay. So yeah. I've, I've been there. I've yeah. been there. Um, I, I wouldn't even be surprised if, um, if I could speak to me or if I, from the past heard my message that I preached a few weeks ago, I would say, man, Jim, you're getting soft. Yeah. Okay. Um, taking the path of least resistance. Yeah. Like, are you taking the path? So I get where you're coming from with this question. Now here is, um, here's what's happening in, in, in in a book that has been very formative by one particular scholar that has been kind of leading the way in this. It's not an issue of, um, of a people centered understanding. He's really beginning to challenge some of our presuppositions. Um, and I, I do remember this. I do remember in grad school, Dr. Lowry saying to us quite repeatedly, say from the Matthew 19 material, he would say, how many of you when you're reading Matthew 19, when Jesus is speaking about the divorce issue, how many of you are thinking that Jesus kind of stood up and said, okay, guys, here, I'm about to tell you everything that could possibly you need to know about the divorce issue. It's actually really simple. Um, anyone who divorces his wife commits adultery. And if you ever marry a divorced person, you're committing adultery. That's it. I got nothing else to say about it. Thank you very much. And he walks off. Is that what happens? Is that even how we read the text? I mean, going back and asking for a consistent hermeneutic is that that's how we interpret it, though. We interpret it. We, we interpret the text in that way. It's, yeah, what Jesus, it's this Jesus, this this statement here is all Jesus ever said or thought. Yeah. Period about divorce. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's and, and I'm, so I'm going to I had to give up that I had to. I remember, first of all, going, wow, that's true. Like he's not doing that. He's answering a very specific question, okay? And so then how do we know what Jesus believed? Okay, now this is where we have to be, uh, and some people are really uncomfortable with this, okay? They just have a very kind of a black and white way of looking at things, okay? 
I would argue, though, that they probably do some of this gray interpretation more than they'll ever want to admit. Mm. Okay. So, for example, Jesus said nothing about homosexuality. Therefore, obviously, he didn't care. I, I don't believe that. I believe that we could take a look at the teaching and the instruction in his time period and realize that if nobody's asking a question and if nobody's challenging him, then the attitude that, that, that they had back then, this is the best that we could say, yeah. the attitude that they owned and that they had back then is what he is assuming, working from, um, and kind of laying down. Yeah, that when Jesus speaks against sexual immorality, and I think Mark 7, that he doesn't say the word homosexuality, but the attitude, the understanding of the culture, and we know this, the understanding of the culture included homosexuality in that. So he doesn't have to specifically say it's understood by everybody as yeah. soon as he mentions that. Yeah, and yeah. that's why it's it's not some amazing, insightful statement. To I mean, I've heard of the pamphlet. I probably have seen one or two of them. Um, everything that Jesus said about homosexuality, and you open up and it's empty. Yeah. And they're implying something about that. Yeah. Right? Um, and on the other side, on those people who have this, Jesus said that anybody, and it's just adultery, and they're taking that 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 view, which I've had. Okay, I've had yeah. that view. I had to stop and ask, did I get there hermeneutically? Which means, yeah. did I get that through studying the scriptures? Mm-hmm. Or am I really bringing um, some presuppositions into it? Okay, and I would I would say this, that um, I, I think, to the best of my uh, self-awareness ability, I'm not trying to, to find a path for anyone. I'm trying to find the path that God wants, okay? Yeah. And I'm not trying to say I'm the only one doing that. But this yeah. isn't a matter of, man, I've really learned that people are hurt. Yeah. And I've really learned that's not what shaped my mind. Yeah. What shaped my mind was that the more that I look at, particularly Matthew 19, that when Jesus makes statements like, for any cause, that he is picking up off a rabbinical tradition yeah. that understood that there were relative grounds for divorce. Yeah. That there were two schools of thought, Shemai and Hillel. Yeah. And Shemai had an any cause. And Jesus yeah. uses that particular phrase. Yeah. So one of the statements that David Inbrewer uh, Stone uses in his book is that Jesus talks to the same people using the same words about the same subject. Um, and, he, and he basically has all of these, these this kind of this yeah. long run. So is he, is he operating from a, from a, a agreed upon understanding? Yeah. And the agreed upon understanding of the Pharisees back then, okay, was that there were two schools of thought. Yeah. One was that obviously unfaithfulness in the area of um, sexual immorality was one of them. Abandonment was another one. And then some kind of neglect. And even the phrases that come from the the Exodus material, Exodus 21, describes um, that I can't deny my wife. Now, this sounds so foreign to us, okay? But I cannot deny my wife food, clothing, and and, and what he uses, conjugal love, which is sex, right? So I cannot yeah. deny... Um, I cannot deny my wife these things, and to do that is to be is to is to literally to to cause a, a problem or a, a violation of the marital covenant. And so to do those things, and the rabbi said, okay, so if you're if you're denying these things of the covenant, then you're breaking the covenant, right? Which we would say that's mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. You're breaking the covenant, and so that's where they developed. You know, when even when we say four, I'd be really careful. I mean, they they've they've kind of lumped them into four yeah. categories. Yeah. I would say the better way to describe it is just an unfaithfulness to the covenant. Okay. So, um, and and let's try to remove our our modern vows from it. But, I mean, I promised to provide for Andrea, to protect Andrea, to care for Andrea, to love Andrea like myself. Am I doing that? And hear me. Don't go down the, am I doing it perfectly? No, no, no. Am I doing it? Yeah. Um, So that's that's kind of where we're coming from. It's the rabbi saying this 
Jesus using the same yep. language. And there's a lot of stuff that comes in. Yeah, let me restate real quick. This is this is the way I've explained it, but I've I've honestly had to say to these people, let me double check this with Jim. Yeah. Um, because actually, from from what I in a glance over, Jesus never uses the phrase any cause. It's actually the Pharisees coming to him, yeah, asking it. him the question: Is it lawful for someone to divorce divorce their wife for any cause? Yeah. And and what I've kind of said, as I gather, what you're saying is, it was they already understood. Yes, abuse, we know. Like, if he's beating her, she can divorce. If, if he leaves her, then, she can, then she's free to divorce. So but the question, though, Jesus, is aside from that, can, can a guy leave for any cause? So what yeah. you're saying is those were already kind of, I don't know if you say, on the table as, like, acceptable. So when they say any cause, they mean we know abuse is okay. We know adultery and neglect are okay. Okay to divorce over. Not okay to do. Okay to divorce over. Yeah. Um, but but Jesus, is it okay to if she burns the food? Yeah. Is it okay to leave? Yeah. Which is legitimately like a question. Or whatever. It's a if legitimate she, question. Not it's not a legitimate question. It's a real question they were asking. <laughs> yes, that yes. there were some people who were really saying it's okay if your wife burns the food. If yes. you don't like her, you can leave her. Yes, and they're no, asking that question. Nobody said that after abandonment, or after sexual immorality, or after the depriving of. Yeah. Let's say even those three. I, to me, it's yeah. always clearer to see this three. The depriving of food, sex, clothing. Um, I mean, one of the rabbis, one of the articles I was reading, the rabbis were actually telling um, the men how many times their wives were allowed to go back and see their families. Huh. And you owe this to them. So mm-hmm. the, again, the rabbis have to do what we have to do, right? They've got to try to explain, okay, this is what we've got from Exodus. This is what we've got from Leviticus. Yeah. So what do we do now? Right, yeah. like how do we work yeah. this out in these nuances? Yeah, and that's the part that we we've 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 all have to do this. We yeah. all have to say, okay, so this is different. So I know that I can't get drunk, but can I get high? Yeah, okay, um, and we've got to come up with an answer for that. Yeah, and you can't just you can't just uh, I don't know. I just I just don't think you can put your head in the sand. Yeah. And so that's why not that my position has gotten. I, I really don't think my position has gotten soft at all. Yeah. My position is that I want to know what the Bible actually teaches. Yeah. And the yeah. Bible seems to teach that Jesus takes, and here's what I would stand on. Jesus takes a hard line on divorce. Yeah. And he is saying, you don't, you don't walk out of a marriage. Yeah. You don't walk out of a marriage. Yeah. It, it matters. Now, by the way, like if he's sexually unfaithfully to you, and if he's abusing you, if he's yeah. neglecting you of these key things— if he's abandoning you, oh yeah. I mean, obviously, then yeah. he's the one doing it. And I think that's what Jesus is is really trying to get at here. Is there's a difference between me trying to get out of Andrea, yep. okay, trying to kind of back out of that covenantal relationship, yep. and me forsaking the marriage yes. and now Andrea being free. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, God is the protector. Yeah. Okay. Which I think would then fit very, very logically yeah. and very systematically two more points of clarification for those who didn't hear the sermon for sure you should go back and listen if you if you haven't got a chance but we would say a couple things one is um we're talking about when we talk about things like abuse or neglect or abandonment we're talking about um not a mistake or or not a sin that you repent of and come back to. we're talking about unrepentant sin in which a person is doing these things and will not stop and does not care as they are confronted yes to the point that this this spouse who is doing these things says yeah i'm not going to change i'm i'm done fulfilling my marital obligations yeah that's what we're talking about and second you you made a point of saying in the sermon which i think is really important that like in the process of confronting this sinful spouse 
this is not something you do alone. This is something oh, the church gets involved so, yes, in. Yes. And so it's not up to me to decide when, uh, when my spouse has neglected me to the point that I, that I say I'm done. It's not, it's not my choice to say that, well, they haven't met my needs enough so I can leave. I trust the church to come in and look and, and ask, ask these questions yeah. and to confront them and see if they repent as they're confronted and all those things, right? Give you discernment, give you insight, give you perspective. Yes. yes. I mean, the this church is, after is a long process. Yes. The church is so critical. And this was, this is actually something that we saw within the Jewish community. We saw, we, we go back and you can take a look at evidence of, 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 of particularly interestingly enough, wives bringing their husbands before um, kind of the religious leaders of the community and saying he is not up, upholding his end of the, yeah, we, we live in such a privatized culture. And this is the sad part is that most people are suffering in their marriages in silence. Yeah. You know, um, it's there's just, they're, 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 yeah. they're paying for the penalty of their own privatization. Yeah, rather than allowing the community to be the community for them. To sure. The yeah. Sure. The church. It's really helpful. Um, if you guys have any further questions on that, please reach out to us. We know that this is a complicated um, issue and a very personal one to many of you. So please, um, let us know if there's anything we can do or any further conversations you'd like to have. Let me let me let me say this. That so then, if if you're asking, so where is the line on some of these? Right. I mean, some of them are really really simple. Yeah. Sexual morality is he had an affair, she had an affair. Yeah. Um, abandonment is they're gone. Yeah. Okay. Ne- neglect and abuse. I would tell you that um, there isn't an answer for that. Yeah. I mean, there really isn't an answer for that. And I would even say, this is where you need to remember the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. This is why um, I don't think Jesus would even mean um, that, yeah, if your spouse cheats on you, you can get a divorce. And I could walk up to Jesus and go, hey, you know, Andrea cheated on me, Jesus. So can I get a divorce? And you go, yeah, you can. So is there somebody you like? And that's not how we would act. He would go, okay, why aren't we not confronting her? Why aren't we not trying to redeem this relationship? Why aren't we going to try to act like, uh, you know, I am who I am and the Holy yeah. Spirit is who it is. I mean, if she's, so, if she's repentant, how in the world can you not forgive her after you've been forgiven so much? Exactly. I mean, yeah. let's remember we're talking about Jesus. And yeah. so it's so fascinating that those people who are either kind of in that black and white category who want to play like, where is the line game? Mm-hmm. I don't even know. The answer isn't so much where is the line. The answer is are you are you trying to pursue the reconciliation and the redemptive of this relationship? That's all I'm asking. Yeah. And then at some point, and it's not for me to be the one who judges. I may make an assessment. I may make a recommendation, but it's not for me to give the final. And I, I really think we got to be careful giving the final. David Instone Brewer, who's uh, or in, Instone Brewer Stone, is that right? Instone Brewer Stone. Um uh, I, I, he probably takes a little bit of a too soft position on this, but he says there's no way, I, I agree with him on this part, there's no way that any of us know what's happening inside of a home in a marriage. There's nobody that knows. And he says, so I try to never kind of come up with a guilty or innocent scenario. Hmm. Um, I, I, I don't know how much he really means that, but I do believe that at some point I'm just going to have to trust that, Drew had to make this decision, that Amy had to make this decision. And if I see the fruit in their life of them, that they really are trying this, and I see that, I think at some point I have to kind of go, okay, I'm just going to have to trust you in this. So I don't take quite a hands-off stance that he takes, um, but I kind of like where he's coming from. So for those of you that just want the line, I um, instead want to give you the community and the Holy Spirit. 
Turning now to the topic then of remarriage, um, just to let you guys, just to let the listeners know how we're going to do this, Jim has been um, frenetically reading up on this and trying to get a hold of this issue that I, I think it's safe to say the church has had some difficulty in the past, yep. uh, giving a, a fair response. To, inconsistent response. A fair and consistent response to the question of remarriage. And, and Drew is actually going to play the part of the congregation and to um, try to give voice to many of the questions that many of you are probably asking. So I'm going to start then with you, Drew, and, and help us see um, what what's flying through the minds of many people in our congregation two yeah. Sundays ago when they listened to Jim's sermon, and many of them are divorced themselves, and many of them are remarried themselves. Yeah. What are they yeah. thinking? Yeah. Well, there's these, these, you know, Jesus says, you said in five, you know, that, if anyone divorces his wife or, or divorces their spouse except for reasons of sexual immorality and marries another, they commit adultery, um, which would just sound exactly like that. Like that <laughs> second marriage is not right, that it's sinful, and that is adulterous itself. And so this question, is remarriage ever allowed? Yep. Um, and if a person, I, I got so many I could, I could ask, <laughs> we'll get to them, but, but uh, kind of maybe to just the second level, if someone is remarried, if Jesus calls that adultery, is that a valid yeah. marriage or, yeah. or should that be backed out of? Should, yeah. you, should you break apart from what, what may be a sinful marriage, a sinful relationship if, yeah. if it was adultery? So. You know, and it's tough. We, we actually have an example in the book of Ezra where they come back out of exile and um, he comes home and he sees that a lot of people have married improperly and Ezra forces divorce amongst all of them. Um, and again, this is where the text is. It de- is that descriptive or prescriptive? Yeah. Is it describing what he did, or is it prescribing what we should do? It really doesn't offer much commentary on should he or shouldn't he. It yeah. just says this is what he did. And I've had professors say that was wrong, and I've had professors say that it was right. And I want to go. Oh, I don't know. Um, I, I think again, I want to reiterate this. Um, be very careful taking the side of um, even broken and sad and hurt humanity against the word of the Lord. Mm. So um, any position that in the end focuses on the hurts of people, and so I'm going to try to be as sympathetic as I can, and says, listen, you don't understand how hurt I am, or you don't understand how difficult it is. I'm, I'm still going to choose the word of the Lord over your understanding, your, my feelings, my thoughts, okay? Yeah. So that's where we got to come from. So, um, and it, it's not that we don't care about people, but we, we believe that God's word cares for people. Yeah. And we believe that God's word gives us instruction. So um, I just want you to just stop if you're listening and just think for a moment, um, am I so worried about people's feelings and thoughts that I'm failing to recognize that maybe God knows more than they do or you do about what is right and proper? And are we going to trust that? Which culturally speaking right now, we don't trust it. And yeah. maybe we maybe we never have, right? So humanity maybe never, never trusted in God's but we, we have elevated how much we trust our own experience or the experience of those we love. Yeah, yep. Um, I, I think biblically speaking, it would be good for us to have a consistent way to deal with this issue of remarriage, okay? And so here's one of the things that I've heard. So if I, if I threw it back at you, I'd say, okay, so does it matter if they were a believer or not before this divorce happened? Mm. And so one of the particular positions that people have is that if, if you weren't a believer and you had a divorce, well, then that's okay, right? Because you didn't know. Yeah. But now, if, if you do that, then now you can't. So there are those that say, listen, if it wasn't on a biblical grounds and then they ignore um, abandonment, they only care about sexual immorality. Yeah. Okay. 
um, which I would argue, so step one, you've made a little bit of a mistake. Okay, I would go back and challenge whether or not you understand what would make a valid divorce. Okay, so I would challenge that. But then I would say, I mean, does God honor all marriages or just Christian marriages? Because what you're saying is, is that yeah. because I wasn't a Christian, then it's okay for me that to remarry. marriage didn't really count. Yeah. So it wasn't a real divorce because it wasn't a real marriage and all that stuff. And is that what we believe? Yeah. No. We, said no, yeah. we don't believe that, that people who aren't followers of Jesus Christ don't have real marriages. So again, you, you can't do that. You have to literally say that everybody, whenever you're married, no matter what spiritual condition you find yourself in, um, you, you need to be consistent. Okay. So yeah. I want to, I want to just take off the table, the silliness of, I wasn't a believer when I got married and then got divorced. So I'm allowed to, to stay. Okay. In that one. The second thing I would say is that when you go back and take a look, and this is fascinating, I don't know how I missed this. I'm a little embarrassed to admit it. Matthew five, any, um, any forceful statements that Jesus makes that you guys can think of in Matthew five, where we don't take him like block for block, literally. And the answer is tons of them. The whole chapter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and hear me, it's not that he's not serious, but I think this is fascinating. So I'm going to, let me throw it back at you guys. Um, okay, here we go. This will be fun. I, we'll see if this gets edited. Um, <laughs> Drew and Ryan, have you ever lusted? Mm-hmm. And I what? still have both my hands. And... <laughs> well, but forget even that. Have you ever committed adultery? Based on Jesus' statement. Based on Jesus' statement in Matthew 5. Yeah. Does Amy now have grounds for divorce? I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) But think about it. Honestly, like Jesus says, any man who lusts after this woman commits adultery. Yep. And then goes on to say, and you can divorce based on adultery or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So do you realize, and I I think this is really interesting. Um, There is no Greek word for the word technically. Right, and that's kind of what we're playing with here, aren't yeah. we? Aren't we kind of taking a little bit of a? But technically, yeah. Technically, there it's an invalid divorce. Yeah. Technically, you're allowed to remarry. Technically, but there really isn't one. And in Matthew five, Jesus isn't trying to deal with technicalities. He is trying to deal with the heart. Hey guys, listen, you're lusting, and you don't understand that it's like committing adultery. You're hating, and you think it's okay because you're not committing. No, it's like committing murder. You 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 should never take an oath. And, and, and by the way, you should cut off your hand and you should gouge out your eye. And you know what? Anybody who divorces a, a woman and, and, and marries another woman commits adultery. It's all in that same line of reasoning, line of thinking, okay? Mm-hmm. Which, does he mean it? Yes. I think, I think a very real part in which he means it is if I'm, if I'm, if I'm not interested in Andrea and I want to marry my, my typical woman I always talk about when we do fictitious things, her name is Susan. So I don't know why. I don't even know if I know a Susan, but let's say, let's say I want to get rid of Andrea and I want Susan. And if I want Susan and I just say, Hey, I'm just going to divorce Andrea and marry Susan. Jesus says, no, that's actually called adultery. Don't call that divorce and remarriage, call that adultery. And I think that's what Jesus is saying. And so if you're trying to use the divorce loop, he doesn't believe in any cause. So why are you leaving her? Um, What did she do to violate the covenant? Nothing. I just really like Susan. Okay, then all you're doing is committing adultery. Yeah. And I think that's what Jesus says. That's which, pretty hard line. Which would be tied to instructions against lust and oaths. I mean, there's a lot. And the whole t- chapter starts to cave in on itself. Right yeah, there. yeah. Cave in on itself in, like in, a, in a coherent, yeah. consistent way. Yeah. And so is that what Jesus is, is basically saying? Or is he, and I don't even think the reason why he, you know, he doesn't say he doesn't have the language to do this. Um, he doesn't want to get into technicalities in Matthew 5. 
He wants us to feel the weight of what it is. And so he's saying, hey, guys, listen, if you're just going to do this any cause thing, which is, I think, maybe what he's probably referencing. Yeah. Actually, what you're really doing is committing adultery. Mm-hmm. So you just want it out. And that's called adultery. That's what that is. Yeah. And anybody who marries a woman who does that, they're committing adultery too. Yeah. And I think it needs to be held in the weight of that chapter yeah. and not removed from it. And all of a sudden, so you get really kind of loose with, um, did I commit adultery when I lusted? No, I didn't. Did I commit murder when I hated? No. And then you get to verse 21 and you're like, and now all of a sudden you have this precision. Like did your, literally, did you get whiplash with how bad that car quickly came to a stop? And I think that's a critical piece. Yeah. I think that's a really, really critical piece. So again, what I'm saying is, is that Jesus is definitely speaking against the any cause and moving on. And he is calling that adultery. I don't think what he's saying is, um, I, I cannot get from the context that what he is saying is that person over here who has either made a mistake or whatever, and now they're wanting to get remarried. I don't think that's what he's addressing. I don't think that's what he appears to be speaking to. Now, there's going to be some out there right now that are going, uh-uh, the words are clear. Yeah. And I'm going, after you've added a bunch of your own thoughts. Yeah. I think I, think I but I, I will say, I think I lean towards that, that um, I want to say the words are somewhat clear. That, that like, To gouge out your eye. No, like, of course, we know that he's using figurative language in that pace, but he really does hardline mean you do whatever is necessary to rid yourself of sin, even if he's using a metaphor to yeah, say it, right? you're right. Okay, so, so that, that one I'll give you. Yeah. So is he saying that you commit adultery when you lust? Um, I think and therefore, saying, is it grounds for divorce? No, I don't think, I don't th- I don't think that. I think that, but I do think when he makes a statement, like he's saying that uh, if adultery is lust, what he's saying is you're... Um, I'm raising the standard for how we live here. And okay. so you can't just get by on, well, I never really, I didn't actually commit adultery. I just go around lusting after women all the time. And Jesus okay. says, oh, we're not, we're not flying. So, so he's, um, I don't want to lower adultery to the point of lust and say, well, adultery is just kind of like lust. So, so no big deal. I want to raise lust to the point of adult. Not, not, I don't know how I want to say that. <laughs> no, um, but I get, no, I hear you. You know yeah, what I mean? No, I want to say sense. what Jesus is saying all through five is the standard is higher. I think. Like okay, the great. Standard's higher, so then so. let's go with the standard being higher. So as followers of Jesus Christ, we have a higher standard. So you've committed adultery. So Amy is free to leave you. You violated the covenant. And, and, and let's just say even beyond the idea of lust. I mean, even when we go back and we try to look with precision on the word about pornea. Yeah. There's a lot of categories that exist within that. Yes. Right. Yeah. And I would even say that some of our new categories that we've created. Yes. I mean, could fit in that. Is that grounds? I know people that believe that it's grounds for divorce. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think it is. Uh, yeah, I don't believe. I don't believe so either. But so, so here's my question. Like, I, I think first of all, let me just go back to the very first couple you mentioned. That you were at a church visiting this church. Yeah. Oh, this yeah. couple yeah. had yeah. Um, committed adultery and then out of their adultery ended up marrying yes each other. These other people. And then, so they're excommunicated from one church and then brought in by your church. Yep. Um, Tell me, like, you still would say today that was wrong. Like, yes, that is a clear that is, case of sin. That is wrong. And that goes against what Matthew, what Je- Jesus talks about in yeah, Matthew 5. Is, they should have been excommunicated. That is wrong. Okay, yeah, yeah. I just want to clarify. Yeah, so. I mean, but I'll tell you, here's the, here's the part where it may, where I probably changed a little bit. I'm going to go back and let me add one other piece to this. I really believe that divorce um, for non-right grounds, okay? So let's say we've got... The ones that Jesus appears to agree with. So for the um, the the specific abandonment 
immorality. Yeah. Okay. So those ones there. What about these other ones over here? The any cause ones. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So there were, where people just made a poor choice or couldn't get along or whatever. Okay. I really think that that was wrong and even sinful. The divorce. Okay? Yeah. The divorce. The divorce. Case, the yeah, divorce yeah. was sin. Yeah. So then what do we do with sin? And this is what I find fascinating. Again, kind of create a consistency. What do we do with sin? We basically say, hey, listen, like you need to repent of this sin and you need to then kind of find healing and purpose in mm-hmm. what God has done and being restored. And what needed to happen to that couple is they needed to be confronted. They needed to repent of that sin. Yeah. Um, they needed to, they needed to, I would argue even, I, I don't know, if, even remember exactly the details in terms of how it worked, but I, I would have done everything to try to get them to go back to their first spouses before they remarried. Yeah. And I would say, listen, like this is wrong. I would have headed that off. I would have, I would have confronted a lot of that and said that's yeah. wrong. And their lack of willingness to 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 hear the word of the Lord that becomes the problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so it's dealing with the sin of a any cause divorce, yeah. which is Jesus calls a hard heartedness. Yeah. I think we need to address that more. Mm-hmm. I think we need to deal with that more. The question becomes, what do you do when we're past that? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do when we're now? Yeah, they're already remarried, and now they're in this church, and now they repent. What do you do? Yes, and I, I don't believe that I could either use the two wrongs don't make a right. Um, I, I do not believe it. It seems, and I've I thought about this a lot, a lot. It seems like God uses things that are not the optimal, and He seems to say we can work with this. Hmm. Now you got to be careful where you take that. I mean, as soon as I say that, people are going seriously. I can't believe you said that, but. Yeah. You explain to me how he allowed David to have so many wives. Yeah. I mean, and he, he keeps Bathsheba, right? Yeah. And God God then through Bathsheba, not only does he take the son that they get, that, that, that is conceived in their, uh, in their first adulterous encounter, mm-hmm. but then it's through Solomon, Bathsheba's son, that he gives the kingdom to. So that's you the, tell, that's the Davidic line. Yeah, the Davidic line is through Bathsheba. So, I mean, what do you do with that? Yeah. I mean, does, does God accept David's marriage to Bathsheba? Yeah. So here's the answer. Isn't the I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. Is the answer not yes? Yeah, I, yeah, An I, angsty I agree. Yes, but no. I mean, but here's here's where I think I don't know if we disagree or not. But I think I I do agree that a person who divorces for the any cause irreconcilable differences. My wife and I just don't get along anymore. This just isn't working. They divorce, and we say that was sin. That was against God's design. Um, and so that was wrong. And if they're in our church, we confront them on that. If they're members in our church, we confront them and we rebuke them on that and those things. And we long for repentance and reconciliation in that relationship. Um, I think we're all on the same page there. Now, let's see. Let's say years down the line, those people come to their senses and they repent. Um, but then they but they never get back together. They're they're divorced people who are repentant. And then this person, person, one of the divorced people or whatever, wants to marry a second person. Um, that, I think, now, it gets so complicated here. I want to say that I believe is wrong. Like, that's one where I go, I don't think I can let that person remain. Now, this is where it gets so complicated. If a person <laughs> I, is I can all, actually almost see you sweating. Ah, no, it's just, I just know. It's so if someone is already married, okay, if, if someone is already in a second marriage, someone is listening to us right now, and they're like, "That's you're describing me." Yeah, yeah. I divorced. Oh yeah, I divorced oh, yeah. my spouse for a reason I should not have, and five years later, um, I married somebody else, and and I'm I, I hate that I had that divorce. I repented of that. I, I've tried to make things right between God and even that former spouse, but I remarried this person, 
And, and I, I really do believe that God honors that second marriage, that God would call you to stay true to the vow you made in that marriage. Sure. So, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm, with, I'm with you there. I think if I could go back in time, though, I think I would, I would discourage the second marriage in the first place. That, that I think, th- this is where I'm at, I think that mm. that is unbiblical, that like I wouldn't allow, man, that's so weird to say. I don't in think an I would invalid, allow. you're talking again, to be clear, this is yeah. an invalid divorce. Yes. You think that people who have wrongly divorced their spouses should remain single if they're single. Yeah. So I'm not talking about a divorce where one spouse left another one to have an affair or where one spouse was abusing another one. And so that person got out. I'm just talking about a divorce where we said, we don't like each other anymore. We're giving up on this. You're not working out. And, And then went and married. I believe I would say you can't marry again unless you are 1 Corinthians 7, 11, if she divorces, she must be reconciled to her husband. That you yeah. can only you can only remarry that husband again. You can't marry again. And again, if they're remarried already, if they marry that second and come into the church, then I think I say, no, you honor that marriage now that you're in it. Um, and then they say, I want to marry. But if they but if they're not in a marriage yet, they're not married married yet. Yeah. They, and they want to marry. You would say you got one option: the old guy. Now, let me ask you this. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't think I agree with you. I think that even reading of the First Corinthians 7 material, um, and again, I don't think, I want to move out of Matthew 5 and mm-hmm. say I don't think Jesus is talking about that instance in that text. Yeah. I don't think he's trying to say somebody who has an any cause marriage who years down the later and through a repentant heart wants to marry, Jesus is saying in that text, you cannot do that. Yeah. I don't know how you could say, yes, that is the author's intended meaning, Jesus and then Matthew. That's not what he's addressing at all, okay? I don't think. I, I, I cannot see that. Um, I, I think I'm okay with you saying, hey, I, I, if, if I divorced Amy for no reason, um, and then I came to my senses, I don't think I could remarry. I'd yeah. be going, dude, I'm not going to get in your way on that one. Yeah. Um, I, think it, I think it's good for you to think through it. Yeah. I think it's good for you to, man, if you're really convicted about this. I don't think the seven, the first Corinthians seven material is as clear as you're describing it in terms of the person who has wrongly married uh, or wrongly divorced now remarrying. I really think, and um, the, the author of the book that I read that um, really is kind of the leading writer on this stuff, he has is kind of like a repentance ceremony. Mm. I mean, he really demands there be like a strong, go back to your spouse that you've wronged, go back and do your best to heal that, even if there's other marriages that are now kind of sprung mm. from that or involved. Um, and I don't think we do that. And I don't think we do that well. Mm. And again, hear, hear me. We're not asking the abused wife to go back to her husband and apologize that she could have been better. We're not even going down that road. We're talking about the irre- irreconcilable differences. We're talking about the no contest, yeah, you know, yeah, no yeah. contest divorce yes. kind of a scenario. Yes. Um, and and I, I would say that the Bible seems to work with broken things and allows the redemption of those broken things through repentance, okay? And through that repentance and restoration, I believe the instructions from 1 Corinthians 7 would be remarry in the Lord. Which I yeah, I see for the widow, I see the remarrying the Lord. I yep. struggle with, and, and again, I, I want to, because I recognize we're talking about real people here, and I really <laughs> do want to clarify. No, like I, I get it, dude. I have brothers and sisters, you know, in this church who 
divorced for wrong reasons and are remarried. And I don't say to them, I don't believe this, that they are living in perpetual sin for being yeah, in a second they're marriage. They're not committing I really, adultery every yes, time they, yeah. No, I really I do believe that God redeems that marriage and that God works in that marriage and that, that, that they ought to stay true to that covenant vow, that they're not living in sin in that. Um, but I struggle with the idea that you can but, just. Okay, but in, here, here's, I guess, what I yeah, challenge you on. Yeah. is like, if, if that is redeemed then, yeah. then why can't somebody walk through that and be redeemed again? Um, it's interesting. I, see, I believe that there are natural consequences that everybody's going to have to go through, right? So I have a son who's divorced, mm-hmm. um, and he's going to have to go through the consequences of that divorce, even though he was abandoned. Yeah. Um, and so there was a kind of a, a, a faithlessness yeah. on her yeah. part and a kind of a walking away from the marriage and not wanting to, 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 to work on it. Um, so he's going to have consequences. But I love, I, I love that with the scriptures, they don't like add additional consequences, like they, they don't seem to be, even God, I don't know if he's punitive. He's restorative, even in his judgments. And so I think there are, even within divorce and remarriage, I think there are just kind of the natural consequences. I don't think the scriptures are as clear as um, as some people make them out to be, that once this is happening, again, we're talking about invalid yeah. divorces, that no matter when you come to your senses, there's no way to fix this. Mm. That doesn't seem to be right. You know, um, could, could, could here's again without I hate loopholes, but wouldn't you then say, so if Andrea and I just got a divorce and it was not valid, and then Andrea remarried, then therefore she's committed adultery, and then therefore I can now remarry because she's committed adultery. I think I could say that. See, and that, uh, yeah. I, and I yeah. agree with you. The yeah. logic fits. It doesn't fit the spirit of 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 the scriptures. It mm-hmm. doesn't fit. Um, Jesus going, hey, 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 sweet. I mean, you got in through the back door. Yeah, yeah. Right? You got in through the side entrance. I mean, you were able to kind of get through the loophole. That's the part that I, I think there is a a profound, and this is what we don't do. I wish we did a better job bringing people to repentance. I've always said the healthiest people that I remarry, so this is a second marriage, the healthiest people are are those that recognize their failure in their first one. And are truly broken and um, repentant of whatever. Even if it was my spouse cheated on me, they're really like saddened by the fact that that marriage did not work. They're the healthiest people I meet. Yeah. The ones who don't want to deal with this, who don't want to talk about it, they're the most broken. And they just are in this perpetual game of self-justification. I, I think it's good for our people, including us, to live from a broken position. Um yeah. So I don't, again, I, I think it's a matter of, um, it's a matter of, of dealing with the sin. It's a matter of, of making sure that um, when we're walking through the remarriage, I think it is good for us to say, so tell me like, where is your spouse now? And if it's like, oh yeah, no, we just got divorced a year ago, then I'm for, I think we need to make this right. I think we need to go back and fix this. If it was, it's 20 years ago. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we, we've been both remarried now for a long time. Yeah. I think it's, okay, and God seems to, scripturally speaking, he seems to deal with situations like that in a redemptive way, not a, I understand, but in a truly redemptive, you're broken, I forgive you, let's do this right. Yeah, yeah. This is a really important topic for, I think, those that are affected by divorce and remarriage um, need to think through, but I think it's also something that... um, 
all of our people need to think through because I, I we've already we've already mentioned this this situation is probably far more common than any one of I mean I've been shocked and and as we've been working through this preaching series to find out how many people um, this is this is a real life situation for them there there are many that had you know a a very quick marriage that um, was either annulled or was a divorce after a year or two when they were young. And these are people that have um, now thriving godly families sure. on their second marriage. So what kind of advice would you give for, um, I'll, I'll actually ask both of you, what kind of advice would you give for um, not just the divorcees or the remarried people, but just generally the people in the church on how to... Um, how to deal with this particular situation in a way that is, I think, both sensitive and um, truthful and honest. I don't think we need to be scared of what the Bible calls us to. But uh, as we've seen from this this very sure. good conversation, it's complicated. Yeah, it is. So what kind of, uh, rephrase that, what kind of advice would I give to the remarried couples or just to the church in general about this? I think to this? the church in general. I think that we have a lot more people to care for in this situation than we realize. Yeah. Um, man. So tough. I'm still, you know, one of the things that makes the divorce and remarriage thing interest, you know, really sticky is this, this issue of asking for permission now or forgiveness later from God. And there are some people who, who I really do believe are playing the game where they go, well, I can divorce and then I can remarry later. And I don't know if that was really right to do, if I should have divorced my spouse so I could then marry this person a little bit later. But God's going to have to forgive it and redeem it. You know what I mean? And and one of the things I just, uh, it's so hard for us to even see a person's heart and know those things, but just to know, like, you can't, like, you might be able to play that game with us, like, but mm-hmm. with other people and with the church, but, like, you can't play that game with God. Like, he doesn't, he's not fooled by your whole, I'll just go ahead and do this divorce thing now. I know I shouldn't divorce my wife for any cause. And I'm, let's not yeah. even throw remarriage. No, get, let's yeah, not no, even talk get, about remarriage yeah, yet. Yeah. Let's just talk about divorce. I know, I know, but it is really hard. And this is just not working. And she is not the same wife that I married. And this is, she's just a different person. And we don't have any chemistry now. And so I know it's wrong, but I'm going to do it. And I know that God can kind of redeem it later. And I'll repent and ask for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. I hate that idea. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think, and again, like we, we may not even be able to fully see what you're doing in your heart and how you're playing that out. But God sees that. And, and. And I just, again, I don't know if I'm offering any sort of kindness or grace or anything in this, except for to just say God's not mocked. No, but there's you know grace, I mean? honestly, but there's grace in the truth. I mean, there's grace in the, hey, God is not mocked. Thank you for pointing that out to me. I mean, yeah. that's the part that I love of what you're saying, Drew, is um, if this is just humans and we never have to encounter God, if we never have to give an account for what we've done, then sure, do whatever you want. But if there is a judgment day, then everything changes. And so I think what you're yeah. describing is, is, is actually gracious. I still get so hurt and frustrated and maybe even angry when people seem to default to the broken condition where things are in now and just kind of assume that that's a given, okay? So instead of saying, hey, listen, Andrew and I need to follow the biblical path for restoration, for reconciliation, for, uh, for changing our character, for changing our marriage, we just go, you know, it's, it's better for our kids to be in, in, uh, in a divorced home than the home that we have now. And I'm going, sure, but couldn't we have a redeemed home? Like, is that not an option? Mm-hmm. And to truly like love marriage enough and to trust, I, it, it's not even love marriage enough. It's to believe the Holy Spirit 
and to believe the Holy Spirit can work through this, that's the part that I don't get. I think that if we were to just, I think a lot of quote, 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 unquote, you got to be careful using this term, but Christian people just cannot see them changing, their spouse changing. Mm. And so then they get to use the cop out of their kids getting the benefit of this. And I just, I find it extremely sad to frustrating that the one given is that neither of us are going to change, want to change. I mean, the only change that we want to make is the last name, right? The only change that we want to make is the address. We don't want to do any of the other work. And I'm telling you, God will not be mocked. He may forgive, but he, he will not be mocked. Yeah. And this is kind of where, even as a society and as a church, I mean, we pay for the, the weight of this. I mean, I can't tell you how many couples we have to deal with and we're helping them and they're dealing with parenting problems. And part of it is one parent lives with one spouse in one house and the other parent lives with another spouse in the other house. And man, it's just a mess. Yeah. So I think if we just took more seriously the kind of transformation and change that can happen, mm-hmm. okay, and walked through the repentant process, we could take care of a lot of these things. Yeah. Right? Well, and how many people would be thinking through, I know this is wrong now, but God will forgive me later. And in so doing, they begin to sear their heart, and the repentance actually never comes. And they need yeah. a brother or a sister to remind them, Yeah. hey, man, God will not be mocked. Like, it's almost like they don't, people need that to get to the point of repentance. Yeah, and, I'll, you know, we're, we're near Steve's given us the, we've been 45 minutes. <laughs> he's been minutes. flashing yeah, he's been flash for a while. He's been doing this. Um, here's the part that I find, though, going back to the consistency piece, which I just think matters theologically, is I just, I know a lot of people that kind of assume God's grace and they make some bad decisions, bad decisions when they're angry um, or when they, um, in their, in their, in their struggle with alcohol or pornography, they're kind of leaning into God's grace on those two. Mm-hmm. So it's not just in this. Now, th- I, I'm, by the way, I'm not even saying they're all equal. But I'm saying to, to, to issue the warning that do not presume upon God's grace. Man, I just that's not just in divorce yeah. and remarriage. True. That's actually in a ton of my struggles in life. Mm-hmm. And so that's a, that's a warning we all need to hear. All right. Well, um, barring any last-minute uh, lectures I'm you guys good. might have in your pocket. Um, I think it's been good. I think it's been helpful. Um, and I don't think that this is the end of the conversation. It seems like we've scratched the surface on something that we, Steve is really worried we could talk about for hours on end. Um, but we would, uh, uh, as always, we would love to hear more from you. If you want to email some feedback, send that to Steve at sunnybrookcc.org or run any um, minister or elder down. We'd love to continue this conversation and help you process the biblical truths. Um, We hope you guys have a good holiday weekend, and we will see you next time.